Rangers Daily with Jason Mertides. A win over the Rangers edition of Flyers Daily. Right point shot, and they score! From that right point, Eric Gustafson fires it by. The Flyers take the one they lead. Gustafson will, and he fired it just wide off the end. Whoa, the shot, they score! And Gossespierre's got his first goal in 22 games. Here's a loose puck. Oh, what a save by Brian Elliott on the rebound. He made the first save and then robbed Adam Fox of the rebound. Right wing pass, Joel Farabee now. First unit is out. Farabee in front. They score! Batted back out in front. And James Van Riemsdyk has his seventh power play goal. And look how the Rangers springs a vantage out. He's behind the defense. Goes in and stopped by Elliott, who knocked it away on the backhand. Here's Meyer stepping into the Ranger line to Giroux, out in front. Here's Kevin Hayes, he shoots, he scores! Kevin Hayes upstairs, off the pipe and in for his seventh of the year, and the Flyers up by two again, it's 4-2. And welcome to the Thursday, February 25th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. Fresh off a win, an exciting game too, over the New York Rangers, the Flyers hang on and get a 4-3-W, two points in the standings, no loser point awarded in this one, and the Flyers will take it. Boy, the captain, Claude Giroux, unbelievable performance in this game by the Flyers. Uh, three assists in the game. He, I mean, this is a guy that hasn't has had one practice since February 7th, had COVID, had COVID symptoms, so was technically, quote, sick, and really played unbelievable in that game. You're going to hear from Elaine Vigneault. Uh, Flyers head coach after the game talking about Giroux not knowing what to expect from the Flyers captain ultimately and we talked about this on yesterday's episode Vino said he would be a game time decision AV didn't even ask him if he was playing today. he knew the captain would want to play as I kind of alluded to in that episode yesterday and he went out there and he willed himself through a game said he didn't feel good at points uh, you know his conditioning not where it normally would be his Skill set not totally dialed in because he hasn't been on the ice, with with the exception of practice two days ago and and the morning skate before the game. But boy, he played unbelievable, as did a bunch of other Flyers as well. But all said and done, the Flyers in the game they end up significantly out shooting an opponent. So, um, I know people get really caught up in the shots. I've obviously downplayed that a bit, but I, the one thing I haven't downplayed is the byproduct of volume shots and the byproduct of that is a lot of possession and a lot of zone time and the Flyers had I mean they had 15 shots in the first period they end up in the game with 39 shots uh, the most by far that they've gotten on any goalie this season and about 850 to go in the second period they got their 23rd shot and they come into that game averaging 23.3 which is the lowest amount averaged in the NHL but a, a lot of zone time in the game a lot of possession boy the other thing and I was thinking about this in my ride home from the game. The zone exits were much better. They didn't get hemmed in their zone a whole heck of a lot. Now, the Ranger power play, it, it got the job done. Chris Kreider was unbelievable. He got his third career hat trick in the game. First one in five years. Uh, but all said and done, uh, the Flyers, they, they did what they had to do to get a win. I, I put a tweet out before the game that this game wasn't about who's in the lineup for either team with Panarin and Kako. And Keandre Miller out for the Rangers, and then still Lindblom, Lawton, Konechny, Voracek, Braun out for the Flyers. This was about finding a way to get a win. It didn't matter who was in the lineup, who wasn't in the lineup. You find a way to get a win. 
and that's exactly what the Flyers did. Uh, Brian Elliott, real good performance for him as well. He's been so good this year, moves his record to 4-1, and and he just made so many big saves at big times. This was a back-and-forth game. It, it was the most entertaining game of the entire season. You know, the Flyers got out to two two-goal leads, and then ultimately in the third period, up two heading into the period, the Rangers get one, and then the Flyers hang on. Elliott had to make a save on a Flyer power play on Mika Zibanejad on a breakaway that was enormous. And the Flyers were only up one at that point. So they, they get the job done. They get the two points. They, they catapult themselves from the fifth seed in the East Conference to the third seed, tied in points with a couple of teams in the Islanders and the Penguins. But the Flyers have played less games. They got games in hand on just about everybody in the division with the exception of the New Jersey Devils. But what this starts now, and we've talked about process and rhythm a lot on the podcast, a ton. Um, number one, the process did look like it was picking up where they left off against Washington uh, back on February 7th before the COVID protocol postponements. So that's good, number one. And number two, the, the other thing that we've talked about a ton is the rhythm of the season, especially with the postponements and such little time uh, uh, to practice already. The team now has an opportunity to get into a rhythm and ride a wave. It's going to start this weekend in Buffalo. They've got two in Buffalo, Saturday at 1 o'clock, Sunday at 3 o'clock. And we're going to talk to Marty Biron on Friday's episode for a weekend preview of that series. Marty uh, still lives in the Buffalo area, covers the team for the TV up there. And uh, he's a great guy. You heard him on Goalie Week. He's just one of the great talkers. So we'll get a full download from Marty Biron. And then they're going to go to Pittsburgh for three games. So there's a lot of hockey. And the other part of it is it's going to be hockey at a minimum just about every other day for the next five weeks. So the Flyers uh, have today off from games, Friday off. They'll be in Buffalo for back-to-back over the weekend. And when that game on Saturday starts, their next opportunity to have two days off between games doesn't come until April, April 1st and 2nd. So this is going to be a stretch of a ton of hockey. There's back-to-backs in there. So this is the time to get the game in order, and now start to ride the wave. And this is the, also the opportunity in the season. They're through 16 games now. It's still early, but this is an also an opportunity with this many games to get into that rhythm, get into that role, and put yourself in a really prime position so that when it comes down to the end of the season, you, A, you're not chasing a playoff spot, exhausting yourself just to get in, and B, that you just solidify your position and the team game is in order. That's what happened last year. They started off a little erratic last year with a crazy travel schedule, learning the new system of a new head coaching head coach and, and all new stuff. And once they got into a rhythm from that trip just after Christmas, they didn't lose back-to-back games from the beginning of January all the way until the second round of the playoffs against the Islanders. And they developed an identity, that, and that was a team that always responded from losses and was difficult to play against. Difficult because they provided – Great forechecking. The details were there. Zone exits, stretched the ice, and had high danger scoring chances. That's that's the identity they need to reestablish, and this is the chance now for that to happen. This is a really the beginning of a very pivotal five weeks in this season. Five weeks in a shortened season is a lot. It's and they're going to look at it in smaller chunks. I'm not sure exactly how Elaine Vino segments 
in a normal season, a lot of coaches will do that. They'll go, okay, we're going to look at the next 10 games. We're going to worry about these 10 games. Then we'll segment to the next 10 games. I'm not sure if he does it in clumps of 10. I'm not sure if that changes in a 56-game season. But this team, uh, what they want to focus on now is continue building on what happened in those last couple of games before the uh, postponements, culminating with that that Washington game, putting the Tahoe game in the rearview mirror, and doing whatever you got to do to get wins and get the team game in order. That's what can happen over the next five weeks. I'm really excited because we had a couple weeks basically without Flyers hockey, and now we have five weeks and a ton of Flyers hockey. So it's going to be a lot of fun here on Flyers Daily as well. And uh, we're going to talk to uh, – we're going to hear from – uh, Elaine Vino in just a minute. But after the game, I had a chance to catch up with Flyers defenseman Phil Myers. He's dealt with some injuries this year in and out of the lineup, trying to get into that rhythm of a season. And here's the conversation with the Flyers D-man. Joining us right now on Flyers Daily is Flyers defenseman Phil Myers. Phil, that win over the Rangers, it had to feel good. Yeah, it's good to be- get back in the win column. And, you know, uh, we know we got better, but you know, we found a way to win tonight, and that's all that matters, so we'll take it. You guys have been dealing with the, the COVID protocol postponement and players out but uh the guys that have to get in the lineup have to get the job done you got to get points how important was it though to get your captain back Claude Giroux and see the performance that he put on yeah um he's the captain of our ship and you know he's uh (laughs) he showed what he can do tonight and uh you know he's one of the best players in the league so um you know he's really important to our team and we're obviously really happy to have him back so one of the biggest things for NHL defensemen when they get into the league is the speed and timing of the game, how fast it is. And the Rangers got some guys that can fly with Zibanejad, Kreider. What's it like trying to deal with them from that standpoint and the way they attack you with speed? Yeah, it's fun. Just uh, um, all you can do is try to do the best you can and uh, go from there, really. Um, you know, try to have a, a good gap as much as you can, jump up in the play. And when you do that, it allows you to have a good gap. So it's uh, – um, you know, it's fun to, to play against the best, and um, it's a challenge that uh, I embrace. Where do you feel like your game's at now, coming back from the injury? You've gotten a few games, and then you guys were postponed, but do you feel like you're back to 100%? Uh, yeah, um, feel good. Just, uh, you know, we haven't been able to get into a rhythm because of the postponements and stuff, but uh, it's coming along great, and, um, uh, you know, just happy to, to be playing hockey right now, and you know, obviously with these tough times, it's uh, it's nice to be on the ice. It's People are loving watching it as well. Phil, last thing for you. Yeah. Um, the next two days will be the last time you have two days between games uh, for basically a month, uh, about five and a half weeks season? until April. This will be the last time you guys have two days off between games for the next about five weeks, playing every other day, sometimes back-to-back. Is there, is there a way to pace yourself in that situation, take care of your body, take care of your mind and all those things? Yeah, you just got to be um, a little bit more aware of how you waste energy during the day and try to conserve, conserve it all for the game and you know, just take care of the body a little bit more. And, um, you know, everybody's in the same position. You know, they're kind of cramming games in there. And, uh, um, you know, it is what it is. And um, we just got to find a way to take care of the body a little bit better. And, um, you know, I think we're all in shape here. We, we all work out during the summer. We have a a pretty intense summer program. So it's, uh, um, you know, I think we're, we're all capable of, uh, you know, taking care of ourselves for, for these coming five weeks. And, uh, you know, it's a challenge that uh, we're, we're going to embrace here. What's the required number of hours of sleep Phil Myers has to get in this situation? Um, at least eight a night. Um, wow. I try to Good. aim for, 
I try to get 10 every night, um, kind of, uh, <laughs> following a bit of a strict sleep schedule lately. And it's been helping me out and feel, uh, feel better and just, uh, you know, have more energy during the day. So it's, uh, I think it's important for me to, to get those hours in. Oh, well, good on you, man. That's a good, that's a good night's rest. Hey, Phil, rest easy tonight. You guys played a great game. You got the two points. Best of luck in uh, Buffalo this weekend. Thanks for doing this. All right. Thanks. Well, that Rangers team can come at you with a lot of speed and uh, dealing with those guys on the rush, guys like Kreider who can buzz, you guys like Mika Zabanajad. They got some guys with tremendous wheels. They got a lot of talent there. Um, they still maybe need some more D. They've got some guys obviously out too. Kako was out in COVID protocol. Keandre Miller as well. And obviously Artemi Panarin's taking the lead from the team with all that he has going on. So it was an undermanned Rangers team. But let's not forget, the Flyers were significantly undermanned as well with five players still out on COVID protocol. Justin Braun is cleared. He didn't play in the game. But I imagine he'll be ready to go probably on Saturday. So, you know, the interesting thing about this, the COVID protocol with the Flyers, too. I was listening to 31 Thoughts, the podcast with uh, Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet. And Elliot Friedman said that the, the strain of coronavirus that Buffalo and then ultimately New Jersey and likely the same one that the Flyers got because maybe they got it from New Jersey has been one that's caused a lot of symptoms in players. There's been positive tests and exposure around the NHL. A lot of it's been asymptomatic, and we know Jake Voracek was asymptomatic. Uh, but what Elliot Friedman was saying is that it really knocked a couple of these players back, and it was a pretty rough recovery and a pretty rough few days or a week or whatever it is. Uh, dealing with Travis Ajak dealt with it pretty significantly from the New Jersey Devils. And uh, if that is the case, then then Justin Braun, who talked about it, you know, he said he said it was a rough couple of days, as did Claude Giroux. So um, just because they're younger, professional athletes in great physical shape doesn't mean that they can't be knocked down by a virus. Uh, but good to hear that everybody is doing well, and we should see more and more names added back into the Flyers lineup over the next couple of games, which is which is obviously great news, and it was great to have Claude Giroux back as well. But let's hear from the head coach. He had some thoughts on Claude Giroux and the performance of his team to get an important two points. Here's Elaine Vigneault after the game. Were you surprised at all by G tonight? You played him in all situations, and uh, it was obviously real sharp after 14-day quarantine. I was... Uh... Surprise would be uh, an understatement. I didn't really know what to expect, but uh, you could tell early on that uh, he had his game tonight. Geez, he uh, had a lot of jump. Uh, He had uh, quickness to his game. He was making plays. So I used him, and uh, and he didn't seem to be, uh, you know, fatigued at all. So uh, he was a big part of us, uh, you know, getting this win. I was able to use him five on five. I was able to use him obviously on the power play and uh, threw him out there a couple of times on the PK. And this was one of his uh, better games all year. <clears throat> Sam, did you have a follow-up? Uh, yes. Uh, what was your, what were your impressions of uh, Nolan Patrick first game at the uh, right wing? I, you know, I like that line. I thought that line tonight had a lot of offensive zone time. Uh, they had quite a few looks uh, like I mentioned uh, in, in yesterday's uh, conference there. We don't really play uh, other than right off the face-offs, you know, uh, a, a center position. It's first forward, second forward, third forward. So as a player, I think you, you have to be able to do that. And being being able to play more than one position is 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 a bonus, uh, you know, being versatile out there. So I thought uh, I liked that line tonight. I thought they had uh, 
uh, some good jump, made some good plays, and five on five, we didn't give up much tonight. Uh, their looks came on on their power play. They've got a tremendous amount of skill, and our PK, uh, you know, had a tough time tonight. Charlie O'Connor, you're on with Elaine. Go ahead. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Elaine. Um, before you guys left for the trip, you mentioned about you know the team needing to maybe have a little bit more of a shooting mentality. Obviously, you finished with 39 shots tonight. Did, did you see that? And what adjustments did you guys make to get more shots on goal this time around? Yeah, I, I think uh, you know a big part of that, big part of us, uh, you know, getting more shots on the net starts with our back end. You know, when our back end finds a way to to get pucks through, uh, obviously it creates some scrambles and create creates more look. So, uh, you know, for us to, uh, uh, we were talking about getting more pucks to the net. But I think a lot of that starts with our back end. And we've got some guys there that, in my estimation, uh, should be able to get pucks through. Uh, we've got guys that are, are are looked upon as offensive defensemen. Well, offensive defensemen, yeah, there is that pass. There is that breakout. There is that supporting the attack. But there is also... You know, getting your shots on the net, and that a lot of that starts with our back end. Jordan Hall, you're on with Elaine. Go ahead. Hey, Jordan. Hey, Elaine. Uh, going back to Claude Drew for a moment. Um, was there ever a doubt that he wasn't going to play this? And how easily did he convince you that he was going to play? No, he told me yesterday uh, after I I finished the press conference, and he had talked to you that uh, he felt good and he wanted to play and. Uh, to tell you the truth, I didn't even bother asking him this morning. So uh, he uh, seemed ready. He seemed good. And uh, my intentions were not to play him this much. Uh, didn't know how he was going to react. Uh, but you could tell early on. You can tell when a player has got a jump in his game. And he certainly did tonight. And that was good for him and especially good for our team. We'll take two more questions. Ed Barkowitz, you're on with Elaine. Go ahead. And, hey, Elaine. Um Elaine, how much uh, with Brian Elliott? How much confidence do you have uh, now? I mean, you're getting you're getting ready to start like a you know almost every other night playing games, or every two nights, forty yeah, games yeah. in eighty days or whatever. How much confidence does having Elliott give you going into this stretch, especially if, if Carter isn't playing as well as he's played late? It's you. It, it's huge. I mean, you know, with the the way the schedule is is laid forward here. Uh, we're going to need two goaltenders, and we're fortunate we have two go good goaltenders that we trust upon. And there's no doubt that, uh, you know, Brian so far has been a, a force for us. Uh, he's been playing extremely well since the, uh, the first time we've used him. Uh, he moves the puck well around the net to help out our D, uh, which is a, a big bonus. But he made some huge saves tonight. Our penalty killing gave them some great looks. And uh, even though they scored twice, uh, he made some big, big saves at the right time for us and enable us to uh, to get this win. One of the things Elaine Vigneault commented on there was he was asked about Nolan Patrick, and Nolan Patrick played with Claude Giroux and Kevin Hayes. And while Nolan didn't have a lot of any uh, high-danger scoring chances, he, he was facilitating, really skating well in the game. He, he still has a ways to go. And I know people... You know, they see that draft that he was in with Nico Heischer, and Heischer maybe hasn't lived up to the hype of a number one uh, overall selection as well. But you see, you know, some of the other guys taken in, in Elias Pettersson or uh, Miro Heiskin in, in that draft, and you, you have a little remorse about who you selected. 
first and foremost, Nolan Patrick would have been the number one overall pick had he not had the core uh, surgery just before the draft. He was the consensus guy. He was the most skilled player on the board all throughout that year. And then he sure jumped up ahead of him and the Devils took he sure. But uh, Nolan Patrick, he hasn't realized it at the NHL level yet. We've seen in his first two seasons where he played, he had a really good half of each of those seasons. And then obviously his third year, he missed the entire year. Uh, he has the skill set. I know some people, and seeing it on social media, and I, I probably shouldn't even pay too much attention to it, but because a lot of these people are the ones that ask questions here on the podcast as well. He, he's a tremendously skilled hockey player. He's a good skater. He has great hands. He has great instincts. Right now, his instincts are a little off. And Elaine Vigneault talked about it. I think, And I think what Elaine Vigneault wants is him to be a little bit harder to play against, number one, in battles, off-the-puck battles, and 50-50 battles, and take the puck with a little bit more uh, ass, for lack of a better term, uh, into the middle of the ice in the offensive zone and really drive it to the net. He's got the body type to be able to do that. Nolan seems a little bit hesitant to do that right now. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't even know that he is, and this is part of getting reacclimated to playing NHL hockey for Nolan Patrick. Uh, But if he is able to to do those things and realize his talent, he's going to be a really good player. And not all players, again, I talked about this with Carter Hart, you know, success in the NHL for young players to get to be a successful, legit NHL player is not a straight line. It's a winding road. And sometimes you go up a hill and then you go tumbling down a hill. And there's ups and there's downs and, there, and you have to you know, learn to accentuate the things that are working for you and limit the things that aren't. And Nolan Patrick's figuring that out. And you couple that with missing an entire season, and that's why you have the player that you have right now. Uh, but I would just urge people to be patient because he is a tremendously skilled hockey player. And he was drafted number two overall for a reason. The skill set is there. He just needs to realize it and also maybe have the confidence in his health. If he does that, you're going to have one hell of a hockey player in Nolan Patrick. All right, that's going to put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to hear from one of my favorite guys, uh, former Flyer goaltender, former Buffalo Sabre, Martin Biron, who covers the Sabres. He will give us a full download on the weekend set, the back-to-back games in Buffalo. We'll get a scouting report from him, what's going on in Buffalo. Jeff Skinner's healthy scratched. Jack Eichel, are they going to trade him? Uh, all things Buffalo will get you set for that weekend series. Uh, but in the meantime, everybody have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow on tomorrow's episode of Flyers Day. Mm-hmm.